Sorry, I'm just having a coffee. I can tell. It's not got rum in it anymore. Are you sure? I'm sure. Can't have rum in it anymore. No. Just caffeine then. Just caffeine. To be fair, that's dangerous enough on its own. And a bit of cocoa. Mm-hmm. Because that's the best I can do. Because they said, nope, no more no more drinking, they said. So that's that. So you're hitting yourself with double caffeine and cocoa and an extra sugar? Basically, yeah. Okay. I've got to get it from somewhere. <laughs> I think you've got it in spades, son. <laughs> I'll put enough cocoa in, it'll be just like rum. No, no, it won't. It'll be too bitter. Well, that's one of my skills. Being bitter? Being bitter, yeah. Harsh, <laughs> <laughs> but fair. <laughs> I'm fairly sure that when we sit down with coffee, and you've not got coffee, have you? I haven't. You've got that pink tea thing. I have. Yeah. Yeah. But when we sit down with hot drinks and switch the phone recorders on, because uh-huh. um, we're very high tech ground here. Absolutely. We don't have proper microphones we or pop shields. We no or... expense. We, we literally have. We've expended no expense. We have not. <laughs> Apart from two phones, which we had anyway, and that's that's yeah. that's basically it. Deficient. It is. It is very deficient. Hang on, was that what you said? No, but never mind. Okay, works both ways. Fair dues. Mm. Um, but well, normally when we do this, mm. it's because you wanted to do a frith cast. Yeah, behavioural conditioning after 103 episodes. I think yes. Ring a bell. Mm-hmm. And I eat dogs. No. No, don't do that. No, I don't do that. No. That would be horrible. No. Cat rings bell, we eat food. Yes. <laughs> Something like that. Did you want to do a Frithcast at all? Possibly. What was it about? Or do you want well, to do music first? No, yeah, yeah, music at some point. Yeah, that'd be good. Now? Yeah. Now? Okay. Now. Now. professional outfit hello hello would you like to welcome the lovely listeners to frithcast guys girls and non-binary pals welcome to the virtual campfire welcome to frithcast episode 104 take a log grab a hot drink of choice there's a biscuit tin around here somewhere Shuffle in all you lovely experienced listeners. Come and greet the lovely new listeners joining us for the first time this episode. My goodness, have you got some back catalogue to go through. (laughs) I'm Suzanne Martin. I am a heathen with a head full of mostly stuff. And I am Kate. And I am not a heathen. And I have a head full of porridge, I think. Yeah. I know a couple of things about stuff. Yeah, we could do that. Well, I wanted to talk about... In this episode, a theme that 
runs through the Havamal and it runs through the sagas and it runs through a couple of big bits of literature as well. Okay. So I wanted to talk about reciprocity and gift giving. Reciprocity? Yes. Now this is not like a Norse cookbook. No, this is not Ready Steady Cook with Titus Andronicus. <laughs> Sorry you said Titus Andronicus and I thought Gorman gasped. <laughs> That's a different Titus, entirely. Yeah, a little bit of a different Titus. Oh, I'm uncultured. Um, so, reciprocity and gift giving. Reciprocity and gift giving. Now, reciprocity to me means the even return of a thing. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Yep. That's reciprocity. Yeah. All right, so you tell me and the lovely listeners, about reciprocity and gift-giving in your uh, chosen <laughs> chosen style. In my chosen style? <laughs> Interpretive dance! I'm doing really badly tonight. You are. I'm like, I keep starting... too much caffeine on I right have. I must have. I keep starting sentences and then getting halfway through and realising I have the faintest idea how to stop them. <laughs> It's a good job you're not talking about banana na na na. Send for what was it? Send for <laughs> Magrat Garlic, the local witch, and get her to, get her to explain how to stop spelling necessary or yes. something. Yes. Necessary. Oh, soldiers. Anyway, that. Yep. Yeah, so reciprocity. Okay. I'm going to start with the verses in the Havamal. So the Havamal, I'm looking at the first section, the guest right. And the sections on how to be a good guest, okay. like a hospitality kind of guest. And there are quite a few verses in the Havamal that mention gifts and gift giving. Hmm. You've got uh, give or take, because it depends on how your Havamal is translated, around 39, 41, 42, 44, 46, it talks about gifts and gift giving. Okay. Like going to your friend's house and giving them often giving them gifts yeah because you're showing them the value of that friendship and you're also enhancing their honor and their prestige by adding to their material wealth and hopefully they are then doing the same by adding to your material wealth and mm. thus it goes round so it talks about gifting your friends often yeah. going to see them <clears throat> and it talks about a line a gift demands a gift the reciprocity I have heard that line, yeah. Part of this. So they're talking about the equal exchange of gifts. So I would probably amend that line a little bit to say a gift demands a like gift. Okay. It talks about in the Havamal, if somebody's true with you, then you be true with them. But if they give you lies, then you can repay them with lies. Okay. So, so you can give them the same back but proportionately yeah that's the key to this is it's proportionate so it's basically a a, a a sort of broad principle it's not just about material goods it's about how you interact with each other yes in yeah. in the society in general um and it's interesting you say it's it's the focus is on the sort of proportionality um yes. very much on the proportionality of it there's um there's a, 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 a 
fairly well-known concept that I always uh, I always find people seem to have a lot of trouble with. It's it's uh, a principle called the lex talionis, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, essentially a law of retribution, and it basically says it, as it, the way in which it's always quoted is an eye for an eye. Yes, um, and people always view it as being permission to seek revenge. Yes. You know, um, people will say, well, we, you know, we live in a society where, um, you know, somebody does something something bad. It should be an eye for an eye. You know, they should get... And it and it's always seems to be the focus on, it gives me free reign to, to, to do nasty things to this person who's done nasty things to me. Yes. But the thing about the Lex Talionis was that it was a restraint on vengefulness okay it was a it was a rule that said you know we because the society took it took it for granted that if somebody hurt you you could hurt them back but the lex talionis was an effort to put a limit on that and say yes but you cannot go any further than you know somebody takes an eye you can't go any further than an eye you can't kill them for it you've Mm -hmm. got to um it's a proportionate response it's proportionate response which sound (laughs) and it sounded like what you were saying there was was that this was quite an important thing in 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 that kind of way as well it is and gift giving is not i mean yes it's being nice to the person next door Mm. on the surface but it's also a lot more than that and in their society gift giving in the icelandic sagas and in anglo-saxon society was very much it had a social weight to it yeah it wasn't just this is some something nice where i give you gifts on your birthday this was part of how society was structured and how you understood your place in it was mm. being able to give and receive gifts. They tend to be the accounts that we've got. If I pick a couple out of the sagas, uh, they tend to be quite notable examples of it, quite extravagant because they're beyond the normal and that's what gets written about. Yeah, yeah. So... There's a saga called the Saga of Gunlag Serpent Tongue. Nice. It is, actually, yeah. And this is where the poetry part comes in. Because when he goes to the, the courts and he visits um, people of status in their hall, he gives them a gift of poetry. Okay. And he he gives that gift and it's considered quite a rich gift because a poem can very freely praise the person it's aimed towards Mm -hmm. and if it's exceptionally good somebody else will learn that poem off by heart and that poem will be remembered and therefore that person will be almost immortalized down the generations through that poem yeah because people are still people are still still saying their name and recording their yeah still saying their name still reciting those words still saying that thing so the gift of poetry is quite an expensive one mm. it's like you know you custom built bling it's yeah, yeah it's like a custom built gift that is infinitely customizable it, it's this huge expensive knowledgeable gift so he's not just kind of wandering into a court and gone what ho you big chaps i wandered lonely as a cloud it's not quite no, no, they, they've, it's, uh, it's been worked on and, and, and yeah. custom, like you said, custom made. It's been custom made and he's giving it as a gift. So it doesn't actually have to be a physical gift. He's I've, giving a piece of poetry as a gift. I've just got a vision now of um, the Ninth Doctor. Mm. 
in that uh, space station telling that alien, I give you gi- I give you the gift of air from my lungs and just breathing all over them. He's like, oh, <laughs> how, how intimate. <laughs> but yeah, so it, yeah. And it, and so it's obviously, from what you're saying, it, it, it's clearly the, it's the dynamic rather than, it's the act of giving the act of receiving rather than the actual sort of material value of what's, what's being given. Um, yes and no. Well, the the reason I say is because if you are, if it's reciprocity, yeah, then I give you a gift of say a pound because I'm generous like that. Mm-hmm. Then that demands from you a gift of equal of a pound. Yes. So the end result of our transaction is that we both have a pound. Yes. Uh, or perhaps I have the pound I started off with, depending if you give me the same one back. But I presume okay. you'd be wanting to give me a different pound. Yes. Um, so the actual material value can't be the important thing because we end up with the same value. Mm, yes and no. Okay. You've got to factor into this equation the status of the giver and the status of the receiver. Right. The it, the existing status before any gifts are exchanged. Mm-hmm. So when Gunlag goes to the courts, he gives the heads of those courts quite a quite a weighty gift in the gift of personalised poetry. Yeah. He's not written them like dirty limericks. He's written them <laughs> praise poetry, and it's unique to them. So they give him gifts in return. Mm. And Auden of the West Fjords, in, they go to the court of the King of Denmark and they bring a gift for the King of Denmark in the form of a polar bear from Greenland. They've shipped a polar um, bear from Greenland to Denmark. You did say polar bear there. Polar bear. Okay. Polar bear. Big, white... Ah. With the teeth and the the nose and the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Polar bear. With transparent fur. With transparent fur, they managed to get it from Greenland where they caught it to Denmark to present it to the king as a gift. And this is hugely extravagant. Even yeah, I mean, it involves getting a, a, an, a actual polar bear Yeah. from Greenland to Denmark. I mean, how? How I do you... don't know. I don't know. Big helicopter and one of them wee lifty things. It's I have no be. idea. But they got a polar bear. It, it's the In their saga, Odin of the West Fjords, that saga, it's recorded that they presented a polar bear to the King of Denmark as a gift. Okay. And that is in hugely, hugely, hugely extravagant, even for a king to receive. Mm, mm. Because when you give a gift to somebody else, you're creating an obligation, a debt in that person to give you back something of the same value. Yeah. The same status. So you give a gift like a polar bear to a king... And they have to have the means of giving you something in return of equal status value so that they are not obligated to you. And if you they can't, I mean, you know, let's say the king of Denmark 
doesn't yeah, find what, any what other. What price do you put on a polar bear that oh. they've never seen before and they've never had before and mm. doesn't find any other Arctic ursines? No, bit lying around and, and and uh, you know has to make do with I, I don't know a couple of fluffy goats or something. Yeah, maybe not as equivalent. So you're placing the receiver of that gift in debt, mm. but you're doing it on the understanding that they can reciprocate and therefore negate that debt. Okay. But it's not just between... Um, we know that one of the names for a king or for a lord is a ring giver. Yes. So somebody who shares out his wealth after raids or any wealth that he's got and shares it out amongst warriors of renown or amongst warriors of note again that's forming that society bond because he's essentially placing those warriors in his in his service and in his debt but could they not argue that in fighting for him they've they've already because you see, what, at what point their does this... gear so that they can fight for him. Mm. Mm. I was going to say, at what point does this become payment for services rendered? Mm. You know, it's... Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Okay. So, yeah. You've also got instances in the sagas. Um, Njal's saga details uh, a guy called Hoskuld, who lives in a place, and he and the Njalsons... The sons of Njal were very, very close. They're very good friends. And the saga tells us that they added to each other's prestige. Okay. And they were such good friends that they invited each other to each other's house every autumn for a big feast. Nice. And they exchanged very generous gifts to each other in this permanent backwards and forwards of gifts. Okay. So they were always, they weren't in each other's debt. They were always keeping that cycle of wealth going. And we've talked about like wealth and moving wealth yeah, before. Yeah. So Nial's saga, that's an example with Hoskuld of friends giving gifts to each other. Mm. And the Havamal talks about friends giving gifts and that it is right and proper for friends to give gifts, not just for a king or a lord or a jarl to give a gift and have somebody or a family or a craftsperson or a warrior obligated to them for service. Yeah. But it also goes sort of on the level as well. And it's it's odd because then I started thinking about what sacrifice was as a gift to gods to okay. maintain, to develop and maintain that order. Mm. And the sagas have got examples of that as well about people who will give to the gods or who are favoured by the gods because they've been generous and given them gifts and developed that relationship. Well, I mean, that goes way back. Yeah. That's that's very... That's kind of transactional religion like you'd find in ancient Rome. Yeah. The... But without the expectation in this case of the gods are going to give you something in return. Well... You are gifting it to somebody higher up the status ladder than you rather than to somebody on an equal footing to you. Yeah. I mean that that's kind of that would kind of be the arrangement mm. that you know you I mean it, yes it is a, a little bit more sort of direct in Rome I admit but the Pax Deorum the the peace of the gods was maintained with proper 
sacrifices and rituals and all that kind of thing. And that was that was kind of something they gave you. They gave you that that peace and that prosperity and whatever in general. And you had to kind of keep it up. If you wanted something specific, then yes, you had to pay extra and tell them what you wanted. Yeah. But yeah, generally speaking, it was it was in return for their protection. Yeah. So it got me thinking about that. And I then started looking at the gift giving that happens in Beowulf. Mm. And the first time you hear it mentioned is that Hrothgar, who is the guy who has the, the critter problem. Yes. Yeah. And he's got a wife called... Welfow. Thank you. Welcome. So Hrothgar sends for a hero to come and rid his kingdom of Grendel, mm. who is kind of harshing the mellow. Indeed. Not being very popular on Scrabble Nights, not doing good on the Zoom quiz, total downer. Eating too many... Crunchy warriors. Crunchy warrior sticks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Hrothgar basically mentions that he knows Beowulf's father and that he helped Beowulf's father out of a potentially embarrassing situation by providing gifts for him to give to others. Okay. So that and so it's kind of like that ties them together even before this whole thing yeah, starts. Yeah. Beowulf in return for dispatching of Grendel and Grendel's eventually Grendel's mother, mm. Beowulf is given gifts by Hrothgar. So he's done the job for Hrothgar. Yeah. Hrothgar says, Thank you very much, your mighty warriorness, have some shinies. The shinies are good. Shinies are good. So in that case, Beowulf's, by solving Hrothgar's issue and killing off Grendel, mm. Beowulf has put Hrothgar in his debt. So Hrothgar is then paying off, almost, reciprocating that gift back. Okay. But they're doing it, when they give gifts in Beowulf, they often accompany them with tales of mighty deeds and these big kind of boasting stories. It's almost like a ritual ceremony that happens when they give gifts. They don't just kind of sidle up to each other and go, Madam, I have left you a gift in your sewing basket. Pray, think better of me and sidling off. It's very much... Is, is that something that happens a lot? I mean, it's... <laughs> Not in Beowulf, no. <clears throat> but it did happen in Victorian society. Oh, okay. Uh, if you were a guest in somebody's house and it was a married couple, you would leave a gift for the lady, but you would not want to embarrass her by giving it to her directly because that was that was not what you did. So you put it somewhere where she would happen upon it or find it. Anybody messing about with my sewing box while yeah. they're a guest in my house, we're going to have words. We, uh, You know, yeah. Don't want to go in your sewing box, really. Absolutely not. No. Um, so when the gifts are exchanged in Beowulf, they're often accompanied by almost this ritual kind of boasting language of Ra, great deeds have happened and therefore great shinies need to exchange possessions. You looking for adventure? I, I bet my shinies, shinies will tempt you. <laughs> so Beowulf, in exchange for killing Grendel, Beowulf is given a pat on the head and a pile of shinies by Hrothgar. Okay. Yeah. He returns to Geatland. Beowulf, the hero, returns to Geatland, his home country, with pile of shinies in tow. He then goes to the court of his king, Hygelac. Hygelac. Beowulf is not yet king. No, no. So he goes to his own king, mm -hmm. 
and he gives up a portion of the shinies that he was given from Hrothgar to his own king. Okay. And Hygelac then gives Beowulf gifts in return, the best of his treasury for these kingly gifts that he's given. So this whole kind of like, you know, goes from A to B to C to B to C to goodness knows where. And it's kind of showing this web of connections Mm. that is there. And a little bit later on in Beowulf, when Beowulf is dying, he asks Wiglaf to bring him the dragon's treasure so he can prove to himself that he's won it and it's done. Yeah. And the job is finished. And he gives Wiglaf his, the big gold necklace that he's wearing mm-hmm. um, and his set of armour as a personal gift to Wiglaf. And then he's buried with the dragon's treasure. The the armour that he's just been killed in. Yeah, that armour. It's going to need a dry clean. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I mean, it... Gore. It didn't... It didn't really... It didn't work that well. No, he might need to do a bit of a patch job. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Bit of a thing. It's the thought that but counts. It is. And there was you're not gonna slowly be... poison thoughts. Yeah, happening. I was going to say, know, you're not probably going like... to be your most intellectually razor sharp. No. You know, when you've just had a big fight with a dragon and you've been poisoned and you're kind of die- laying there going, owie, owie. Yeah. Owie, the pain, owie. You're going to feel a bit foggy at yeah. that point. Yeah. 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 No, I get it. So he gives Wiglaf his big gold necklace and his armour that he's just been killed in. Yeah. And tells him he's going to be king of the Geats and that's his gift to Wiglaf. I mean, that's a pretty good one, I've got to admit. Yeah, it's pretty good. If we look at that kind of whole idea of a gift, not just being a a pretty shiny that you give to somebody, but as an obligation, like a social tie or connection, Marcel Mouse looks at it and calls it a pledge, either a future pledge or a returning pledge. And there's this whole idea of uh, reciprocity and like retribution. So it can be a positive retribution. So it can be gifts between friends like we've seen. Yeah. Or it can be a negative retribution where somebody's given insult and you can give insult back. Or that these blood feuds that go all the way down the Icelandic sagas of, well, you know, so-and-so killed my thrall, so I'm going to kill his thrall. So I'm going to do something to their son who's going to do something to my nephew and so on and so forth. And you get this huge, big, long list of stuff. Mm. And you're right, the Lex Talionis was meant to do things like minimise these blood feuds that happen between whole armed families that live in fairly close proximity and are likely to practice their skills on each other given half Mm. a chance. Mm. And then I got to thinking, what about The Hobbit? The Hobbit? The Hobbit. As in J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit? The Hobbit. Or There the and Back Again? in the ground, there lived a Hobbit. That Hobbit. I remember that one with the, with the round green door. Yes. Indeed. And the plenty of pantries, bless him. So if we look at gift giving in The Hobbit... Got his priorities right. And you're looking at the the events leading up to the Battle of Five Armies. Yeah. Not a spoiler alert. It's been out ages. Go read it if you haven't already. <laughs> for goodness sake. <laughs> I'm fairly sure I can do a spoiler alert now. You can. So you're looking at the events going up to the Battle of Five Armies and the fact that the dwarves have barricaded themselves in the Lonely Mountain 
Yes. And outside you have a delegation of men and elves all coming for a share of the treasure because... Because they helped out. and they... they helped out in various ways at various points leading up to that point. They, both of those races have helped out the dwarves getting to where they are now. And mm. now Thorin is inside the mountain and he's locked himself away with his company of dwarves and a Bilbo. Yeah. And... They are there and he is now refusing to talk and he's refusing to share any of the treasures that are within because he says, no, they're, they're mine. My, my people died here and we've, we're the ones who actually made the journey and we've made all the sacrifices and it's our treasure. Go away. Get off it. Yes. Yeah. My land, get off it. Mm. So Thorin doesn't, uh, that end bit, he's asked to give gifts. You know, can we have the Arkenstone, which is a very small piece of this treasure? Yeah. You've got all the rest of it. We we only want small parts. And the King of the Elves wants the Elvish necklaces that were found in the Horde. Yeah. Which Thorin won't give him. He won't. They, he refuses to share. He refuses to give gifts he refuses to give that reciprocity he refuses to follow the social rules of their societies that say you should reward the people who are loyal to you and who help you and you should be able to give them he gets gifts. he gets the sickness doesn't he he gets obsessed so obsessed with the treasure that he doesn't want to give up any of it yeah to anybody even though like the elvish jewelry is elvish yes and really should be with them yeah and all the arguments he's making for why he should keep the dwarvish gold is the exact arguments that he should be paying attention to. Yeah. As to, reason to give it up. Yeah. So he doesn't give any of it up. He mm. refuses point blank to share it, to spread out the wealth so that everybody benefits, to give that social, that underscoring of social relationships that, you know, we've seen people in the sagas do and he dies for it. Yeah. He dies for it, and his two nephews, the only male heirs of his line, also die for it. This is true. His whole line is wiped out because he cannot give gifts. Mm. He cannot share. And he cannot acknowledge what help and assistance he's had and give gifts like Hrothgar did when he said, well, Beowulf, thank you very much, you've helped out. Here's a big shiny pat on the head and a pile of shinies for you. Yeah. Thorin can't do that. He refuses to do it. Mm. And he ends up dying for it. And it's only when the the goblin army turns up and the dwarves turn in that you end up making that battle of five armies. Yeah. And he makes a reluctant alliance and he ends up dying from that fight. Mm-hmm. If you compare that to what Bilbo does after he's given his one fourteenth of the dragon horde, yeah. which is still pretty huge. It's yeah, fairly colossal. Yeah, massive, massive amount of, of treasure that he then gets as a one fourteenth share. Mm. He shares his personal share of that treasure. He gives some to Bard. Yeah from Lake Town to help rebuild the Lake Town that Smaug destroyed. Mm -hmm. He gives some to Dane, King of the Dwarves. Yep. And he gives some to Elrond, half-elven Lord of Rivendell, in acknowledgement of his assistance right at the beginning of what was going on. Yeah. 
and he when he returns home and he goes back home to Hobbiton, goes back home to the Shire, he's seen as this very rich, um, extravagant, like maybe slightly unhinged, but slightly mm-hmm. you know rich, extravagant gentleman mm-hmm. who has all the wealth and he has these big powerful friends because he sealed those alliances with gifts. Yeah. So it's kind of odd. You then put the the gift giving of Beowulf's world and of the saga world into the Hobbit and you can suddenly see that in a whole different light. Yeah, I guess you can. And, you know, he's not gifting polar bears. He was going to be gifting the Arkenstone. Yeah, but he, but he didn't. chose not to and ended up dying for it. And had he gifted it, there would have been a very, very strong alliance fighting off the goblin army when it arrived yeah and in instead what you ended up with was not a strong alliance and a huge uh, a heck of a lot more casualties so beowulf when you're looking at gift giving in beowulf it alters it it kind of defines those society relationships that the characters have between each other Mm. beowulf's status goes up when he goes back to give gifts to Hygelac, his own king. Yeah. That's his uncle, I think. Okay. So when he goes back to give gifts to his own king, when his uncle the king dies, he wasn't previously in the, the kind of the running to become the next king. Mm. But once he'd given that set of really expensive gifts, which he'd got from doing the job, with Hrothgar... Suddenly people are like, oh, hang on. Suddenly people are like, you know what? He's got a bit of bling. Mm. He might do us all right. And he ends up being this... considered for king and getting it. This is a shiny chap. This is a shiny, shiny chap. So in Beowulf, the gifts that are given kind of define... They've got that sort of boasting ritual that goes along with them. They define and maintain those societal relationships of hierarchy and of friendship and those bonds of grace that go between people. Yeah. The Hobbit is kind of the same. It's also got those that giving of gifts meaning something beyond what the actual gift is. Mm. If you look at the gift giving in Lord of the Rings, though, it changes. Okay. Even though it's the same, um, same author, but it's kind of... It's the concept of medieval gift giving... But the gifts that end up meaning most in Lord of the Rings are the ones that are given between friends with no hierarchical expectations of gaining or losing status or anything else on top of that. So they're given between people of the same status, which we've seen in the sagas does happen. Mm, mm. But you also get gifts given to people of high rank and high ranking people giving gifts out. In Lord of the Rings, it's all gift giving on that level playing field between friends. Yeah. Like with, those, in, like with those two families who go around every autumn and... Yeah, and have, have a bit have, of an ease up, which a, is, is no bad thing. So in Have the a blowout. Yeah. In The Hobbit, it's very much that sort of hierarchical gift giving yeah. that's emphasised. But in Lord of the Rings, the gifts that mean the most are the ones that are given between friends with no expectation of anything in return. So yeah, it kind of took me on a bit of a... A zoom around this time round, and it kind of took me to a few different places. Mm. Middle Earth for a start. Middle Earth for a start, <laughs> yeah. And the, the halls and, of Rothgar and, and from Geatland. the one is on Geatland. 
You're like, wait, hang on a minute. Uh, left at Albuquerque. Should have gone that way. So, yeah, this kind of gift giving, gift giving in that society and looking at it being translated in the, in the works of fiction that we have mm. and then thinking about how it works in this society where our status isn't so much based on our hierarchical status in society. It's more based on what we can earn for ourselves. Yeah. We're not dependent on uh, a lord or a yarl on whose land we work or we defend or we produce crafts for. or It's not that kind of structure of society anymore. So where does reciprocity fit in now? You know, when we have a birthday, we might gain gifts from our friends, but we don't give them a gift in return when that happens. No. When we're, unless, yeah. unless, you know, when their birthdays come around and... and well, then... yeah. So I suppose in you know in a way it, it it sort of finds its way in there, but yeah, there's no sort of there's no sort of short term there's no there's no kind of short term requirement to do anything about it until no no I mean you might have the uh, you might have a local custom of when it's your birthday you take buns into the office yep you take you know a cake into the workplace <clears throat> and everybody shares it and you are kind of giving them a gift. Rather than them giving you one, or they might do that as well. But it's like, it kind of gets me thinking how do we as modern heathens then do we choose to take on that understanding of reciprocity? Do we make effort to go see our friends when we can, pandemic notwithstanding? Yeah. Do we make effort to go? travel to see our friends like the Havamal tells us do we take them little shinies do we get them a souvenir from a far off place that we know that they'll like and go and give it to them when we next see them mm. in a token in value of that friendship yeah do we give them a gift and do we expect something in return and is that a dangerous thing mm. if you give an expensive gift to the gods you are putting them in your obligation they have to give you something expensive in return and they might but it might not be what you want <laughs> it really might not <clears throat> well that's god's for you it is god's for you and yeah it's it's almost a warning to keep things in moderation to keep sacrifices to keep offerings in balances to keep friendships in balance yeah don't gift your friend a gift that they have no hope of repaying you with mm. Or do you give somebody an unexpected gift and when they say, how can I pay it you back? You say, pay it forward. Yeah. Do you connect yourself to a society that way where you're connecting to an unknown network of people because that gift is then being paid forward every time? Mm. Always to somebody new. Always to somebody new. And then you're connected to them that that is shared yeah so yeah it's kind of sparked me off on how does gift giving work in the society i find myself living in now yeah what value does that have if i give a gift to another heathen they may have more of an understanding of it than if i give a gift to one of my co-workers yeah at work who might say oh thank you very much and just wander off with it <laughs> and you're thinking wait no hang on a minute but 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 <laughs> So when I give a gift to another heathen, 
there's that understanding of of reciprocity and that echo of social graces that pledge if you like yeah but most of our society now isn't heathen this is true yeah pandemic notwithstanding i might be lucky if i come across by chance one of the heathen in a month Mm -hmm. so how do i as a modern heathen how do i understand reciprocity how do i understand that social value that was so fundamental to that society which now is not echoed in this society Mm. do i choose to try and keep that do i choose to keep that just with other heathens do i choose to keep that with people who know my understanding on gift giving yeah do i not or do you just give the prezies out like all over the place wherever you can and because reasons (laughs) just because it's a nice thing to do because it's a nice thing to do so yeah reciprocity there are certainly lots and lots of examples in the sagas Mm -hmm. the havamal's got verses on gift giving and being able to keep those gifts in balance okay but again gift giving between friends we know that Yarls and people of note are known as ring givers and they'll give gifts out but they'll often do it with these kind of ceremonial boasts that go alongside it right so how do we understand it now where does it fit with our practice now does it color how we look at sacrifice does it color how we look at offerings when we give to the gods when we share mead in symbol yeah that's is that giving of a gift to each other and so yeah my brain kind of went off on one yes it did i can imagine but it does it you does. know it, you 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 like to think about things and find out about things and you know it's just i i can't i can't give you an answer to your questions um <laughs> no lovely listeners have fun with this one <laughs> <laughs> it creates a very odd dissonance mm. in you know, what are my values? What are society's values? How do I get those two? Can I get those two to line up? Do I want to get those two to line up? Indeed. Is, that, is, the, is giving of gifts something that holds more weight when I'm giving them to other heathens and they're giving them to me? Mm. How does that network us together as communities as and with non-heathens? You know, with members of our family at Yule time. Yeah. We give gifts. We might choose to give gifts. We might get receive gifts. Mm. And are we going to get affronted if we don't don't get one back or don't get one yeah. back? This is how does that work? As expensive as the one we gave. Yeah. Mm. How does it? Uh, how does it figure? So yeah, lovely listeners, we're going to leave you with that puzzling thought. <laughs> Come and join us around the campfire for episode one oh one oh five, which will be in but. Two short weeks. It will. It won't be that far away. Two short weeks. Hopefully your Two brains will have just untangled themselves enough by that point to come and join us again around the virtual campfire for episode 105. Is that two short weeks? Or is that two short weeks? Are they like weeks that are too short? Or are they short weeks but there's two of them? Could be both. Fair so long as that doesn't make it twice as short. Will it be like two sets of seven days? Yeah. About that. We'll go maybe, with that. Maybe one or two extra, depending. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, ish. I'm glad we could clarify. We can. Because I do like to be clear. I, you know, 
did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely listeners, if you would like to find us online, you can. It's Yay. awesome. You can find me. My name is Suzanne Martin. You can find me on Facebook under that name, or you can find me on Twitter at Geetha in Jeans. And should you wish to uh, contact me for any reason, um, your best bet is either to uh, find Suzanne and send a message through her, or if you come to our Frithcast page at uh, FrithcastPod, that's fb.com slash FrithcastPod, uh, you can find links there to our uh uh, chat group and our discord server yeah come and, and join us around the virtual campfire virtually yeah i'm uh, we're both quite often quite often hanging around in there so yeah uh, come, come and, and say, say hi <laughs> come and throw us a friend request come and throw us some questions come and talk stuff around the virtual campfire with other lovely listeners from around midgard lovely listeners we're going to leave you with that pondering thought on how reciprocity fits into your own worldview into your own practice and we will talk to you all next time for episode 105 105 of Frithcast. We'll see you then. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.